we had one of these gr big grow lights in the closet, and so we really couldn't have people over because the light would be so intense that it would look like poltergeist in our apartment. And it, it was so isolating. And my life became very isolated, and my thinking became very myopic and very small-minded. And lots of people who thought different from me, which was most everybody, kind of pissed me off. And I would cop resentments, and I would get a little fearful to go out into the world that I didn't want to deal with. And, um, and one day my, my husband at the time, he said, you know, I know I'm a marijuana addict. My father died of alcoholism. I know that I'm smoking every day and I can't stop. And that really, you know, kind of brought me out of some denial, like, oh, really? And so he, because we didn't have the money for rehab, he looked up, you know, um, what else to do. And we found Marijuana Anonymous. It was pretty amazing. I had no idea that it even existed. And I didn't really know anything about the 12 steps. So I, as a good codependent, decided I'll go with him. Because if I went with him to a meeting and he was thinking about stopping, I might be able to find somebody, you know, who might be able to sell me some pot since my, you know, my, um, uh, the person who usually gets it for me was going to stop. So I went to my first meeting hoping I would meet somebody to sell me some pot. That's how kind of distorted and selfish and self-involved I think I was at the time. So I went to a meeting and I started listening to people and it was a little shocking on my system because I realized I had so much in common with them. And it was an emotional thing for me. And, and at, the, at, at the beginning, it is emotional because it, it makes you realize that Maybe you've got something that you have to deal with, and it was really hard to think about having to deal with the idea of maybe I'm an addict too. Maybe I should think about stopping using or, or doing something about it. And what would that entail? Because, you know, I don't know how I can live without smoking. How can I go to a movie? So, um, you know, or anything, a party or work, you know, or deal with Wednesdays. It was anything. So, um Long story short, uh, very uh, soon after that, I started recognizing that um, it was a problem for me too, and I started going more regularly. And at first, I really just put my toe in the water, which is okay to do because the only requirement is a desire to stop using. So I had a desire to stop using, but I wasn't sure about much of anything else. Um, so it, I went, I had slow briety at the beginning. And about eight months into it, I decided I was going to go um, celebrate someone's birthday in San Diego. And while I was there, uh, somebody offered me some pot. And I thought, well, I'm in San Diego. Uh, no one should know. I feel like getting high. So I got high. And then I went back to the meetings, and I didn't tell anybody. And when a year came around, it was time for me to take a cake. And I took a cake. And then about a month after that, I remember just sitting by myself, and something from the meeting really hit me. And it was, what are you doing? Who are you lying? And what's 
for. And what is this whole recovery about anyway? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? What do you want to get out of it? I mean, all these questions. And I started really thinking, I need to, I need to really make big changes in my life. So I took a big breath and I went back to that meeting and I told them that I didn't have a year and that I took a cake and it wasn't honest. And I was so embarrassed and I was sure I would be shamed and I was sure that I'd be turned away. And everybody clapped and afterwards they're like, wow, thank you for sharing that. That was like really, really brave. I was really amazed by the people and the program and who they were. Um, I, I think that that was the first time I was like, oh, I'm safe here. Oh, I can struggle and it's okay. I don't have to be perfect or show up a certain way. I don't have to be so worried about what other people think. This is my program and I need to work it and I need to make changes. So eventually I got a sponsor and she was very gentle at first with me um, and I had a lot of respect for her and she began to take me through the steps. And we started at step one. And step one uh, amazed me because I thought I had already admitted that marijuana was a problem and my life had become unmanageable. But as working this step, I realized that the first word in the first step is we. And that was a, a, a profound moment, that the first word was we, that we don't have to do this alone, that in some ways, actually, I can't do this alone. I need you. I need other people. I need guidance. I need fellowship. I need um, uh, people to run by some of my crazy thoughts. And, and I need to learn social skills. And I need to be able to like be of service to others. So I can't do this alone. And then I realized that the word um, admitted had two meanings. And it not only was admitted like a confession, like I get it, I'm an addict, I can't stop using without help, but the other one was admitted like I bring it in, like I admit into my life these 12 steps, a new way of thinking, a new way of acting in life. And that was my beginning. I got that. I was open to that. And... So once I understood that when I used, my life was unmanageable, um, which I skipped over a lot of things that I did that would prove how unmanageable my life was, a lot of risky behaviors, a lot of crazy things that I was into. But um, I, when I really got clear and I wrote some things down and I talked about it, I realized that I may not have the bottom that some people have or that you might find in NA or something, but... I was not functioning well, and I was not clear-headed, and I was not a, a kind person. I was really, you know, the, you know, the idea of selfish and self-centered and driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, things like that. And, you know, it reminds me that when I first got into meetings, I really remember sharing. I wanted to share at every meeting. Because you all needed to know who I was. 
That was my first thing. And I wanted to talk all about how my sister had screwed me over and how mad I was about my sister. And that went on for months. And then I realized that that was what I did. I stepped on the toes of other people, and then they got mad at me. And then I was offended by that. And that was pretty much my relationship. And step two, I got into step two, and I realized this is a spiritual program, which really kind of blew me away. You know, God did not, the idea of God didn't bother me that much, but I didn't want to have anything to do with religion, and I really needed to find a God that was of my own understanding, and my sponsor at the time knew me and said, Patricia, keep it simple. You know, you don't have to start to become like a religious scholar to understand a God of your own understanding. Just keep it real simple. Just know it's not you, and it has powers that you don't have. You know, and and even since then, I've thought of it as very simple, like nature and, you know, the way things work biologically or, or the universe and how vast it is and Things like that help me just kind of get outside of myself. And I have other uh, ideas and definitions of a higher power, but really the stuff that works the best for me is just knowing that it's not me and it's bigger than me. And there is some, under, there is some intelligence in the universe. So... I tried to keep it simple, even though it was really hard for me because I, I like to complicate things and I like to research things and I like to like control it and know it and have it. Well, you know, I couldn't do that because I it was time to like move on to the third step and turn my life over to it. I'm like, wow, turn my life over something that I didn't control and know and have and, and believe. And, but I was able to do that because I kept it simple. I was really able to understand that what I needed to do was turn my life over to something other than myself, other than my ego. And that made sense to me. You know, the third step prayer really means a lot to me. God, I offer myself to thee. Sometimes that's all I say. God, I offer myself to thee. Because I know what the rest is. It just means I got to get out of the way. And I got to trust that there's something that I need to do to be helpful to others. And that's been really helpful to me to just keep things simple. You know, I, you know, the idea of taking away my difficulties in the third step prayer really helps me because it's as if, like, if my life is better, which it totally is, then it's easier for me and I have more ability to be of service. And when my life isn't going well, I don't have the energy, I don't have the self-love, I don't have the effort and time to really be of service to others. So the better I am and the more difficulties that are taken from me and, and the more I can function, the better I am to be helpful. And when I'm helpful, I don't necessarily anymore think of like, oh, I'm going to be helpful so that that's good for me. It just feels good. It just feels nice that my life is one that is, is um meaningful i mean what what better meaning than to help others and and to be like a lighthouse rather than a tugboat to other people who are using drugs and alcohol so over time um my marriage fell apart and 
lots of things changed in my life. I went back to school and I began to study psychology and I was just doing one day at a time and 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 I did a four step and a, and I and I went and worked with a sponsor and and told her my four step and she was so kind and so understanding about you know where I'd been and what I had done and it seemed like no big deal to her and I had such shame so what a relief that was and already my life just got lifted at that point and things became easier so I, I actually, you know, when I first came into the meetings, I had a hard time thinking. My brain was so foggy, and I had a hard time retrieving words. And I thought if I go back to school and get retrained and go into psychology and start a new career, you know, I'm just going to be stupid. I'm not going to be able to do it. And I just had to have faith. And I put one foot in front of the other, and one day at a time, and I just I learned how to rewrite things, and I learned how to, like, read in ways that were a little quicker than I had known and I got really good grades in school and I surprised myself and and after that I created a new career for myself and that that helped me be uh, self-sufficient and uh, self um, uh, financially you know I was able to get on my own two feet and and feel like I was independent and things like that I don't know that I would have been able to have the patience and the tolerance and the and the the wherewithal to do that especially if I had hard time focusing and thinking through things um, so I felt really grateful and gratitude has been uh, something that continues to I don't know, run pretty strong in my recovery program. Gratitude, grateful for what I have, you know, keeping things in perspective. Um, you know, I, uh, you know I'm, I'm grateful for simple things, barbecue potato chips, that I have uh, 10 toes and 10 fingers. You know, sometimes it really comes down to, you know, first world problems that I have. So sometimes my self-pity, I got, I really was able to see it differently. So working these steps really changed my thinking about life itself and about how I, you know, my relationship to it. Like, who was I and how am I going to walk through my life and how is I going to handle relationships? You know, I, um, I ended up working uh, step seven, which is, a, I think, a tricky step for a lot of people that I have talked to because there's not a lot in the big book about step seven and step seven is about character defect and you know it's not about beating yourself up it's about acknowledging that you're not perfect and there's some things to improve on and some things that you know may have been for me uh, there were patterns and a lot of the patterns were uh, fear and uh, lack of faith you know, and when I have lack of faith, I get into control and and fear and wanting to, you know, tell everybody what they should do and things like that. So it was uh, helpful to me to get some outside help. And, and there's a book called Drop the Rock that was really helpful to me to understand, you know, what these character defects are and um, these 
these things that are natural that are magnified, I think, when you're an addict. They just get magnified. So I needed to right-size them in my life. And, uh, and they still come up. They still come up for me sometimes. You know, I tell people that patience, I, I had to work on patience for about five years. That took a lot of my patience. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a process for sure. But uh, I, I switched. It's kind of like I was sitting looking through a window and I was looking at the world in a certain way. And after about working these steps and seven, eight, nine, I just shifted. It was just like a big shift. I just like moved my chair over and there was a different window I was looking out of. And it gave me a whole different way of being in the world. And since then, things have gotten easier. Not easy. Life's not easy, but I didn't create so much drama and craziness and and difficulty in my life. Most of the time, knock on wood, because it does come up for me, but most of the time it's not me that's creating it. Most of the time it's just life. And, you know, we all have to deal with that. We're all in the same boat. We, we don't have a lot of control over things, and, and things do happen to us. And, um, and we have to face them. And as long as I'm not the cause of it, for some reason it feels a little bit easier to kind of go, well, why not me? Okay. Um, I've been going to meetings the whole time. MA really saved my life, and it really helped me a lot. I have a group of friends that I met when I first started going to MA, and a handful of them are still my friends. And some of them don't go to meetings, but all of them are sober. And... My life is full of really wonderful people. And I feel really fortunate that I have good friends, good friends that I know work there, are able to be teachable and able to look at themselves. And I think that's a big thing because I know a lot of people who get really defiant and are really in denial. And that's how I was when I walked in. And that's how, how I was for the first even a couple of years. And I I don't want to be around a lot of people who are really defiant and in denial. I have a hard time maintaining loving relationships with people like that. So I'm really fortunate. I have such a nice group of friends and most of them I met through MA. And my my husband now, okay, fast forward, I met in MA. Um, and we have a sober relationship. And we go to meetings, sometimes, most of the time separate and sometimes together. We don't get involved in each other's program, but we have a mutual respect for each other. And when we step on each other's toes, I see it. I see it in me and I see it in him. You know, even if we've acted out, we, we take a step back, we take a breath, we look at our part, we wonder how we could have done something different. We wonder if, you know, we did something that caused the other person to retaliate. We wonder where we had been selfish. We looked at our issues. We're able to say, I'm sorry. It's just an unbelievable life where we're able to sort of work through things and get to the other side fairly quickly. And, you know, I, 
I think that uh, these social skills, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody earlier about social skills because I think a lot of people come into the meetings and um, I'm sure on this meeting, you know, even on the phone, which is a different thing because we don't have eye-to-eye contact, you know, and it's a little bit different. But um, a lot of people come in with some anxiety and difficulty with social skills. And I was really pondering how these meetings are, are really helpful to uh, practice. And I'm thinking about, like, sometimes when you go to a meeting, there's somebody who stands outside of the meeting and welcomes you into the meeting. And I think about my relationship, and when my husband comes home from work, I welcome him. Come on in. How was your day? You know, we like eye-to-eye contact. Everything okay? And it taught me that. And, and when people are making coffee, it's some, something like, it's just sort of like, hey, do you need something? Can I help you with something? Do you need a cup of coffee? And this is what we do. We're a service to others. And then when you're in the meeting, you listen. You know, you, you be real quiet and you listen and you're respectful to the people around you. And then when it's your turn, you share and you share openly and honestly and focus hopefully on something that uh, matters to the people around you. And when your time is done, when you hear the, the uh, sometimes there's a, a ringer or a bell, you stop because it's respectful to everybody else so that everybody has a chance to share. And that's about a relationship. You know, if my husband has an issue and he needs to talk, I'm quiet. I listen to him. And then when it's my turn, I'm like, it's my turn now, and I get to say something about it, and I get to share, but I also need to stop and go, now what do you think about that and give him his chance? So I'm really thinking about, you know, how the the meeting itself and how it's set up and, and, and how there's a there's a leader, but over about six months or a year, the leader changes. And how is that such a great system? Sorry. Okay. I put a timer on so that I would know what time it was. Um, so it's just a great system to really learn how to do life and, and do relationships. And, you know, there's just layers to the 12 steps. And there's layers to what we're doing and why we're doing what we do and how it helps us in recovery and how it keeps us from needing or wanting or, or, or desiring to go back to the life of using and, and, and smoking and, and escaping and not dealing with our feelings and being pissed off at the world and the people around us and feeling self-pity. I just don't ever want to go back to that. And one way that I am assured today that I'm not going to use was to speak at this uh, conference call and to put myself out there and to be heard. And I really appreciate that. And I thank Jesse for asking me to share today. It's really been um, a great experience. And I hope that you guys got something out of what I shared. And I want to welcome the newcomers, Tyler and Johnny. And... You know, keep coming back. Keep coming to this meeting. You know, you'll hear something. If you didn't hear it today, go and come back next week or go to another phone meeting and you'll hear something the next time that will help you and, and keep you from, from using and checking out a life and help you deal with life on life's terms. So uh, I think that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me share.
Oh, and thank you so much for, for sharing, Patricia. Um, really great to hear your story and your um, experience, strength, and hope. 